Welcome to Chevron's Locked to Stargate podcast. I am Chelsea. I'm Jess. And I'm Melanie. Um, as always, there will be spoilers of the, for the entire series in this episode, and there will also be explicit content. So please be forewarned. All right, we will be talking about The Broker Divide and all of its wonderfulness. This episode was written by Jonathan Glasner, and it was directed by William Garrity. I'm going to pronounce that name. Mm-hmm. Someday there will be a director with an easier name to pronounce on this show. <laughs> uh, the, this episode aired on the 15th of August in 1997. And it's notable because we get our first introductions of two characters that will be recurring. One is uh, Colonel Makepeace and the other is Dr. Frazier. So we get to see Terrell Rothery. As for the synopsis, Melanie, what do you got for us? <clears throat> so I have the wiki one today. Um, after visiting P3X797, SG-1 discovers the touched, a race of humans infected by a disease that seems to dissolve them into animal-like creatures. To make matters worse, SG-1 inadvertently brings the disease back with them, where it spreads throughout Stargate Command. The only way to cure them is to get a blood sample from the untouched, who believe the disease is a curse. Now the SGC must battle to destroy the plague before its personnel are trapped in a primitive state forever. That's a very good synopsis. It's very thorough. I will just, before we get starting with our discussion, um, again from the Illustrated Companion, uh, I think this is a good kind of quote to kind of set us up because this is a episode that's much different than I think the previous episodes. Um, and basically Jonathan Glasner says, When we first started on the series and we're really just feeling it out, we were having a hard time trying to figure out what the tone of the show was and which way we wanted to go with regard to certain elements. Broker Divide was one of our test shows and the show was an attempt to have fun and it's probably the closest to where we continued to go. So I think because this episode is the closest to where the show ultimately does end up, one, I found it to be very enjoyable with like a few minor nitpicky things. Um, one not so nitpicky, one that's pretty terrible. Um, but for overall, uh, I thought it was a, re- a super enjoyable episode, and definitely like the start. I think of the uphill swing for SG One. I think, yeah, I think that's a fair point. I would I agree. agree. Mm-hmm. Thank you both for your support. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I do enjoy this episode. I honestly, though, it still makes me cringe. But we, we can get to that. The episode starts, as many episodes of this show do, with the briefing room. And I uh, have a little special treat for you guys because as I've been rewatching this show and like the pattern of going to the briefing room always to get their missions made me think of something. And I'm going to play it for you. And then I want you guys to tell me if you know what it is because I don't know. It's one of those things. I don't know how many people are familiar with this. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Alright. You're gonna get a mission, a mission, a mission, a brand new mission. What's it gonna be? Go and get your mission, your mission, your mission, a brand new mission. We can't wait to see. Hey, Chelsea? <laughs> yeah? What? Um, what in the ever-loving fuck was that? <laughs> If I could just be so bold to ask. <laughs> We're going to get a mission, Jess. Duh. 
Melanie, my <laughs> dear friend, do you know what the fuck that was? <laughs> What is that? All right, so I chalked this one up to me having kids, but that um, if you're familiar with the show Phineas and Ferb, their pet platypus is a secret agent, and every episode he gets a mission, and he has to like go, and there's a major monogram gives him a mission, and he every time that he goes down to his secret hideout, he goes there a different way, and in this episode, it's like a it's like a, there's a small world ride that's playing that song in the background on the way. And I'm just envisioning SG1 doing that now, hand holding and skipping to the briefing room. Every we're off to find a mission, a mission. <laughs> because every time that I see a briefing room scene, that's the song that plays in my. Head. Oh my god, that's awesome! So I just that was like. I think of all the clips that I was expecting you to potentially play, I don't think I was expecting that one. I, I wasn't either. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, though, but definitely a high-pitched <laughs> <laughs> A song that reminds me of, of It's a Small World After All was not mm-hmm. it. <laughs> no. But I feel blessed and educated, and I can only thank you for this opportunity. <laughs> You're most welcome. (laughs) So, yeah. So we get, this is kind of the first real uh, SG-1 briefing where SG-1 is assembled and their team, a unit that's been doing things, and they're basically talking about intel that they have that has led them to a planet, what the MALP told them. It's it's the first time we get that standard of briefing that we get throughout the rest of the series. And it's a lot of fun. This is a good, this is, uh, we get some classic Jack Snark. A lot of uh, Jack Snark and then looking to Sam to see if she's smiling and laughing at his joke. Is that what you mean? I definitely noted it because it's funny, you guys, I, I didn't jump on board that ship as quickly as you guys did when you watched it. Like, I thought they were cute, but I, mu- I just wasn't paying that close of attention, I guess, the first time I watched this episode because when I was watching it again, I was like, holy crap, like... He says something snarky, and he turns to look at her to see mm-hmm. if she's smiling or laughing at him. <laughs> Indeed, <And she> is. <laughs> she, obviously. And then it also made me laugh because later in the same scene, Daniel snarks. He makes a comment to make peace about how he's more worried about his front side than his backside, and she doesn't respond at all. <laughs> and I thought she it was kind of she funny. She doesn't like Daniel like that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's no flirty flirty happening with Daniel. Sorry, Sam, Daniel Shippers. It's not happening. <laughs> anyway, no. I'm bringing back the flame wars of 1997. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't remember where or when this happened in this episode, but there was like wordless communication already between those two. And I was mm-hmm. like, it started that early because I don't remember it, but I saw uh-huh. it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> How you doing over there, Jess? I just look this episode. I know it's it's got issues. It's problematic in spaces. Like I'm not gonna sit there and ignore it. And I definitely like the kiss that happens between them later. I don't think that's like a shippy kiss. I don't take that. Like it doesn't count. But there's so many other things that totally counts that I just love about their relationship this early on. And then like totally separate from that, Jack spends the first 15 minutes of this episode in a backwards baseball cap, which is like. You would think, wow, what a weird thing to notice. But listen, it does something to me. Like, it (laughs) physically does something to me to see him in a backwards baseball cap. 
So it's a good episode for me. Um, lots of heart pounding. It's very good. Yeah. For the briefing room before we move forward, I thought this is like one of the first times that like Daniel speaks some sense, like the first words out of his mouth. So like Hammond basically says that the MALP uh, or the MALP, as he for some reason calls it, doesn't show that there's no video feedback and there's no way to really know what's on the other side of the Stargate when they go through. And Daniel's like, that's crazy. Like, why are we going through? <laughs> and I, I was like, you yeah, know, the man's got a point. Like, I understand that you think that this is the, because the whole point, the reason they want to go is because that's this is the planet they think Apophis escaped mm-hmm. to. So they want to pursue Apophis. But surely you wouldn't just send through, like later when they're putting the night vision goggles on and Jack goes, why doesn't the MALP have these? It's like, yeah, why don't we just put some night vision lenses on the MALP and send it back through before we just send people in? These are all excellent points. Well, and how did they, did they not verify that there's a DHD there? Are, are they sending these people through to potentially be stranded? Because, and, and I know they haven't established that that's their protocol yet, but it is the assumption, like you can sort of backwards logic that once they say, oh, we always look for the DHD, that they've been doing that. And yet they're like, we can't see anything. Is mm-hmm. there, do they know? Or were they just sending these teams through and be like, maybe we'll see you guys again. Have fun. I mean, maybe they thought the risks outweighed the gain, I guess. Maybe if they went and found Apophis. Although I don't know what would happen, you know, if you couldn't get back to tell them that you found Apophis. But right. I mean, maybe that was the thinking. Or maybe they just assumed there was a DHD there. Because every planet they've been to has one. I don't I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious that they were like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Let's send some people through. <laughs> and Daniel's like, uh, hey guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I liked, it's a good, like, it's a good, like standard briefing scene that we're going to get to see a lot throughout this season and this series. So yep. big fan. And we see make peace for the first time and get this like Marine air force snark. That's pretty like typical of the like, inner different branches of the military, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Freaking jarheads. Yeah, jarheads. Flyboys and jarheads. Yeah, so then they get ready to go to the planet and make peace. And SG3 are all ready to go stomping their way through ahead of them. And Jack's like, nope, we're going to go first. You guys count to ten and follow us. And I love love that scene because we established that Jack, again, we've already kind of shown this about him, but that he is... As much as he is ready to become, go on the offensive if he needs to, he is not a shoot first and ask questions later kind of guy. Like He wants to go through first so that he can assess the situation, knowing full well that if the Marines bust out on the other side and there are hostiles and maybe Skara or Share, that they'll just start firing. And so... Which is hilarious to me because there are technically hostiles and when marines come through they shoot in the air it's not like they're shooting at them they're just shooting off to scare so it's like even if you went first i'm not really sure that i mean maybe well i mean but maybe though if if there were gould on the planet they might have shot first and asked questions later whereas these are just not how do you know well they were also like jumping and on top of sg1 so you can't really fire at them without risking a friendly fire Yeah, so that could have been part of it. But I did I did notice that and I was like, interesting that they're just firing into the air. 
Uh, the, another thing I noticed, though, is that there was a long-ass 10 count. Because he was yes. like, count to 10 and follow us through. They, like, come out, and they're looking around. They, like, look at the DHD, and then they start seeing people darting in the trees. It was way longer than 10 seconds. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did. The one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> They did walk up to the gate first, and he put his gun through it, and then we started counting. So maybe yeah. they just didn't count the walk up. <laughs> I um, <laughs> I did like that. This is a, and they don't even say it, but they establish Makepeace holding the gate open if they're not going through it. He sticks his gun into the wormhole, and later hmm. on we establish that if there's nothing going through the wormhole, either like radio signals or people or objects that it'll close eventually on its own after a certain amount of time. And so here we have Makepeace holding his gun into the wormhole to keep it open until they go through. Which I guess would also kind of solve our DHD problem. So if there wasn't a DHD on the other side, they would just turn around and come back. But they're only one way. Yeah, you can't come back. You have to dial out. Oh, dial back out. out. They they would have been able, they could radio, though. So you could hold it open. They could radio and say, we don't have a DHD. And they would say, sorry, we don't have any capabilities or (laughs) Toker alliances. So, bye. Yeah, so at this point, they could do that, but it wouldn't really help very much. I mean, they they could send them supplies and stuff, at least. That's true. Right, this also seems to be, like, the first time we actually see, like, our Jack so far in all the episodes, where he's, like, more jokey, and he puts himself first, and he has some sort of sarcastic comment all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas in, like, other episodes, you kind of get, like, little flashes of him, but this time it's, like, all encompassed together. Yeah, the characters are definitely coming together better. They're much more recognizable as the ones that will know later on can we can we just get to the discussion that i know we want to have i mean it's it's pretty much the next thing that happens so yes i'm ready <laughs> let's go uh do you want me to just play the clip and then we talk about it yes please okay yes so, so everyone can be re-enraged okay are you gonna lead it off jess are you are you are you biting are you chomping at the bit to like go? i just hate everything about this exchange okay i mean i hate it uh this is uh, it's self-explanatory this is the clip we have to stop. No, that's uh, prehistoric males probably always had sex forcibly. The strongest male gets to mate. That's survival of the fittest. Yeah, well, I call it rape, but I think we should stop it. Carter. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate everything about it. To be honest, I don't know which part I hate more. I don't, I, I don't know if I hate that Daniel's justifying it or that when Sam tries to start moving... Then Jack goes Carter and like she stops immediately. I don't know which part I hate more. I can kind of not excuse Jack's Carter, but they're trying to maintain their position. And like you can't just have one member zooming off without the rest. And for all we know, Jack saw because like immediately after that's when the second wave of like the rock throwing started. And there was like an outburst of violence right after. So for all we know, like I'm going to excuse the Jack thing just because... Well, one, I love Jack. And two, I just think that as like from a commanding standpoint, you have to keep your unit together and you can't just go barging in when you can possibly see incoming hostiles. Yeah. But I would more like to talk about the forcible sex part. We like to call that rape. Yes, Sam, that's rape. Daniel, I... (sighs) 
I mean, he did marry it. a woman who was gifted to him. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I just, it makes me, every time I hear it, I just get like a, such a rage monster. Right. Well, and the thing is that this is, and I know it's not, it's my job to defend Daniel, but this is actually a consistent running thread for his character where he sometimes is very able to divorce himself from the human aspect of this kind of thing. But, and I know everyone does this because then each character on the show will kind of have their blind spots. And his is Mm -hmm. when we're talking about ancient cultures and an opportunity for him to observe something that he would never otherwise be able to observe. It's his blind spot. And we'll see it a couple of other times where he's, he kind of forgets other human aspects when he's talking about that. And we see it with Sam with the, uh, with the black hole episode where she wants to Mm -hmm. keep it open to study it. And we see it sometimes with Jack when it's when he's talking about like he prioritizes his team over other people very strongly, and 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 Teal'c I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but there are like they all kind of have their blind spots, and this one is Daniel's, and I think it's probably one of the most glaring ones. This example, but it is it does seem to be kind of a consistent part of his character that he gets he gets his eyes on the prize and sort of fails to be a human normally and i i guess like i'm okay with him having that blind spot and i totally get that as his profession he's used to like divorcing himself from like a historical aspect of okay sure like in the prehistoric times this is how this would happen whatever but there's a difference between like one observing history living history like they do for sg1 when it's not adversely affecting somebody Mm -hmm. like rape and it's also different when they're like living. It's one thing to be like, I took a Holocaust, a uh, couple Holocaust uh, classes in college. And there's one thing about like reading about all of these terrible things that you kind of have to like divorce yourself so you can at least like clinically take it in, you know? And that's one thing because it's like textbooks and history and like it's awful and it, and it happened. But if you were like traveling back in time and you were like observing it. I don't think you could be like, well, that's just the way it is. And like, that's what happened. And that's like a phallic, uh, not phallic. Uh, that's a, <laughs> that's not right. That's a logic fallacy. <laughs> uh, no, Jess, I, I, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, there, there is a difference between, you know, actual history and things that are happening right in front of you. And obviously I 100% side with Sam on this one. And I assume that he probably wouldn't say that if he was on earth and like went to another country or whatever and saw just because it was another country be like, Oh, well, you know, they rape people here. Like, no, shut up. That's (laughs) you don't get to like watch a rape happen and be like, Oh, but the history, (laughs) But then, like, in Emancipation, when he was, like, saying, you got to pretend to be, like, when, like, we got to blend into the culture. That that's what's expected of us. So it's, like, this weird, like, not double standard, because obviously there's, like, levels to it. It just, it frustrates me. Especially as Sam as a woman. Like, can you imagine that your team, you're, like, uh, hey, guys, as the only woman here, hi, this makes me a little uncomfortable, as it probably should make you uncomfortable. And can we go do something about that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. No, I... Sam, Sam has a rough start with this team. Like one episode, they're like totally ignore the fact that she's getting, she's in danger because she's a woman. And then in the next one, they're like, rape, schmape. Mel, any thoughts? 
I mean, I agree with what both of y'all said. I can see how... No, 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 never mind, no. Nope, nothing. Uh, Yeah, uh. nope. I agree with what you said. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to attempt to defend Daniel, and then I decided that was not a good idea, and so I just stopped. I think it's fine to defend Daniel and say, like, oh, he's a scientist, or, like, that's what he's doing. I think that's fine. I just think there's, like, a time and a place, and, like, I think sometimes Daniel gets too far divorced from. But, like, Chelsea said. Right. Yeah, well, and it's, and I... At least appreciate that there is some consistency on the team calling each other on this stuff. Like, so Jack calls Sam on it usually when she gets too into the science and excited that she kind of forgets about things. And Sam at least calls Daniel on it here. I'm glad it at least gets called Mm -hmm. out. And I feel like, and it's not, it doesn't, it's not specifically stated, but later on, Daniel does go out of his way and risks his life to save that same girl when they find her, when he and Teal come back. And she's... Oh, is that Melotion? Melo- com- yeah. I have comments on that. Yeah, we'll, that we we'll talk get about there. that. We'll get there. Um, but um, I do also feel like we're still in that area where, like, they're not supposed to, like, I guess, mess with their, like, culture or what? I can't think of the correct... Um, like the Star they're Trek. They're not supposed to interfere. Yeah. yeah. You so I mean I get it I get that Daniel wants to see it and maybe that's no, he doesn't want to see it you you know what I mean I know um, what you meant yeah yeah <laughs> um but maybe they're still following that kind of order where they're not supposed to interfere in other planets cultures or well they something. totally are because Jack later in like two scenes is like okay guys like. This doesn't have anything to do with Apophis or the. there's no gold here, so gear up and let's go home. They never really clearly state their policy on that ever. I don't think in the whole series their policy on whether or not they interfere because they interfere all the time. They don't seem to have the Star Trek non-interference policy because on Star Trek it's like we're not supposed to interfere. They still do. But well, that's the, the prime directive. Right. They have mm-hmm. one in SG-1, but we don't hear it until season four. But I think what it's we're to supposed get to big honk and space guns. It's not to not interfere, yeah. right? But I think that if inter- I think if if interfering gets them big honk and space guns, then they interfere. Well, and they it seems like they're almost encouraged to interfere. And in this episode specifically, the president is like, "Oh yeah, we're going to start investigating scientific and cultural value on these yeah. planets." And so I would almost say they had they don't have a directive at all to not interfere. They're Almost encouraged to. I feel like what? I heard it. I feel like I heard that, like I like I heard them say something to that effect, where they're not supposed to like inter- interfere in anything. But I don't remember where, or if I'm getting Star Trek confused with Stargate, which is very possible. I don't remember it. I think that something like that is said at some point. I don't think it was in this episode, but it at, wasn't. At some point, it is stated. There are occasionally times where it's like, hey, it's not our business. We're not going to get involved. But then there's times where they yeah. actively interfere, like purposefully. So, like I said, I vaguely remember hearing something to that extent. And I don't remember where. Yeah. But it was in one of the previous episodes or the film. Yeah. Yeah, it hasn't come up yet. But I do, I do think you're right. I do think something to that effect gets stated during one of the episodes. It just doesn't seem to be a consistent thing that they are oh, no. are told to do. 
Oh, no. They definitely interfere all the time. Yeah. But I was just... Anyway, it's I'm just rehashing. It's Let's move on. Okay. Uh, so then we meet the untouched, and Jack checks the back of their neck to, like, verify that they're not Goa'uld. And they take them back to their temple place there. Mm-hmm. And we get uh, this classic awesome exchange that I'm going to play for you guys. Love what they've done with the place. I was going to do my living room like this, but it didn't go with my other stuff. So great. She's such a dork. I know. <laughs> yes. God. <laughs> Which I love that clip because I think sometimes people like, maybe you're wondering, gee, Sam sure does laugh at Jack's jokes a lot. But Jack and Sam have the same sense of humor. Uh-huh. That's absolutely something Jack would have said. Yeah. Well, and after she says that, he like smacks her in the thigh with his hat. Like, good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I missed that. You missed but- it. No way. I saw a Jack Sam thing that you didn't. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that, actually, now that you brought that up. <laughs> I guess you're going to have to go gif it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go find that. Anyways, uh, but basically, yeah, this whole scene is, I feel like, okay, I will say broadly for the episode, like, the like mythos around the touch untouched, I found very straightforward, which thanks. Like that's very nice of the writers to keep it pretty simple. And like the science behind like the antihistamine virus, all very relatively scientifically sound, though I've got some questions. Um, but I like that as like I said earlier, as soon as Jack like gets the lowdown that this has nothing to do with what they're here for, he has no interest in sticking around. Uh-huh. That wasn't his orders. He's like, pack it up, let's go. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting that Jack is like, okay, we came here to see if we could get a lead on Skara and Share. We didn't get one. We're leaving. And and that Daniel, who should be wanting to find Share, is like, but the Minoan culture. And which I love. Uh, like, yeah. it, like I know that we have problems with his frequently forgetting Share exists. But oh, I do love I do love that he's consistent about he always he always wants to investigate further and explore. And Sam's standing there next to him like, but the things we can learn. And I I, I like it. I like Samuel. Samuel. I keep doing that, guys. <laughs> I swear to God, don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> Sam and Daniel. I love their I love their science bro friendship, especially in the early seasons where they they get they got each other's backs. I find it so bizarre to me that Sam is hype to study culture further. And then like later in the second briefing where she like drops her broke a divide definition language, like, I'm sorry, Sam, when did you get your degree in anthropology? And like, when did you get hype about anthropology? I find it like, not that you can't have hobbies, but <laughs> it's just like, she just likes to read like, all she, of her sex. She, don't we all? she can, ha- she can have other interests besides astrophysics, Jess. I'm just saying she's like a hard, she's in the hard sciences and I just find it interesting that she has that extensive knowledge of anthropology and that she would be interested enough in it that she would want to stay. I learned about Broca. Me too. And, um. Well, then I'm just dumb. I've never heard of it before until this episode. Maybe a social, no, it wasn't sociology. I don't remember what class, but I learned about him. Yeah, you, you could, you would maybe learn about him in a sociology class. 
that might uh, have I, did, I didn't take one of those, so oh, um, I had I had to. So <clears throat> I learned about him in my neuroscience classes, but that was a little different because he he did Listen, the. I am a English major. I took lots of reading classes, a lot of Shakespeare. Because you're a take nerd. Yeah, no, that is correct. You should have. <laughs> um, but yeah, because Broca, they talk about it. He did the he did the brain mapping thing, and he's uh-huh. very famously known for Broca's area, which is an area that is important in speech. I feel like I knew Broca's area. I just didn't know about the Broca divide and that his name was Pierre whatever Broca. Yeah. No, I, I, it could have come up in even like a sociology class for Sam. But, I mean, okay. Anyways, well, I take my point back then. I have no. been sufficiently counterpointed. <laughs> no, I. Well, it's a valid point, but I think it's just Sam is a she's a learner, right? Like she she just always wants to explore new things, and she doesn't limit herself to just her area of expertise. Yes, I'll accept that. Agreed, one hundred percent. But I also am biased because I love Sam. But yeah. Okay, so they go back to Earth, and we're in briefing room number two. <laughs> well, they go back to Earth through the longest wormhole shot I, I think there is on yes. this show. <laughs> it I goes on down, for like eight like, seconds. Wormhole filler? <laughs> <laughs> I, they, they, had, they, they, they had to fill for time, okay? So I really to, yeah. think they did, because not only is that the longest wormhole we get, but they're, they do a wormhole graphic every time they go through the wormhole, which is kind of a mm-hmm. lot in this episode. And yep. They were all kind of long. But that one coming back was so long. I was like, wait, is my DVD glitching? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So anyway, briefing room number two. Which I really enjoyed as well. Mostly because um, Daniel's like ranting at Hammond. And Hammond's like, son, son, listen to me. You've already. And then Daniel's just like cutting him <laughs> off. Like, no, listen to me. And Hammond's like bro, you already won the argument. The president's on your side. And Daniel's like, say what now? <laughs> he, was trying to be, he was trying to be Jack. Because like, oh, you know no, Jack does it all the time. No, you know that Jack is kind of like, hey, hey, we need to do this. Hey, hey, we need to do this. Jack does it better. Well, I'm... <laughs> Are you going to work that into in every episode now? <laughs> it's literally how I feel every time he comes up on screen. So, yes. <laughs> Like, I like I know I texted you when he was in the backwards baseball cap, but literally I paused it a couple times and was just like, mm-hmm. There he is. <laughs> I'm not ashamed so, of it. You don't need to be ashamed of it. You don't have to be ashamed Thank of you. it. So Daniel finds out that that the president's on his side and they're going to start yes. looking, they're going to start evaluating the scientific and cultural value of each mission. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, is good, but sometimes you can't. That's a lot of culture and things to well, go through. He said value. So I think he's asking them to make quick assessments of like, can we get anything useful? Uh, yeah. Also, 100% that president is Jed Bartlett, guys. Like evaluating oh, each planet for the cultural and scientific value they offer. No, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And then meanwhile, I don't remember what his name was. Lieutenant, what's his face? Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Bless both of you. Lieutenant Johnson <laughs> loses his damn mind and goes after Teal'c, which I know is a very serious moment, but it makes... There's a lot of moments in this episode that are supposed to be dramatic and serious, but just absolutely send me into hysterics. 
And the way that his eyes go wide and he really enunciates his words, like his facial expressions are very animated and it makes me laugh so hard. And then Teal just like grabs his punch and looks around like, <laughs> like what do you want me to do with this dude? <laughs> he was so chill. Yeah. Yes. He is the best. I put Teal is such an unflappable badass. Mm-hmm. And apparently like super strong because like that was like a full force punch from a Marine which he grabs, holds, and he's, like, enraged on testosterone, and then very calmly and quickly stands up and incapacitates him. And he's like, <laughs> what does he say? General. I got it, I got it, I got no. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is what Teal says. General, I would prefer to not hurt this man. Yeah, Teal's like, listen, if I got to crush his skull, I will, but I prefer not to. <laughs> Didn't we discuss, I thought that... Having a larva gold in your stomach made you somewhat like a super, like, I don't want to say superhuman, but. I don't like, know what the canon is on it. But it makes I don't them think it... irrationally strong in things? Or Tilk's just a badass and just. I think Tilk's just a badass. I think the only thing that canonically that we get from the larva uh, is uh, the immunity. Right. And quick healing. And, okay. Yeah, and quick healing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that... Which I guess you could argue that, like, rapid muscle repair would somehow possibly give you super strength. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's, like, an inherent skill. Uh, yeah, I think physiologically, if your muscles were able to repair and regrow quicker, then you would be able to build muscle mass faster. Yeah. I'll accept that. But yeah, or Tilk's a badass. Or Tilk's just a badass. Tilk is just a yeah. badass. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, and so then... The, so they take him off. And then Sam and Daniel are working on the Stargate together and talking about, like, oh, that was weird what happened. And then the other two dudes from SG3 start fighting and come smashing through the briefing glass. Yeah. I found it interesting that Sam thought that Lieutenant Johnson was drunk. Because, like, (laughs) where would you have time? How how would you have time to get drunk when you just got back from a planet and you were in the briefing room in 30 minutes? That makes zero sense whatsoever total headcanon but i just don't think sam has tons of experience with like going out and like partying it up or whatever as much as she's a badass i don't think she's been like bar hopping or whatever and i think that she has no idea like not no idea but i think that she genuinely thinks it's possible to get that drunk very quickly like maybe she's like oh yeah he just like snuck a couple beers or something (laughs) But you can't even have alcohol on base, I don't think. So again, that's makes... why I said he had a hip flask in his locker. Oh, yeah, I'm just guys, I'm just, I just found it <laughs> fascinating. That that was yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so the, the other two nameless SG three dudes come bursting through the briefing room and die. I think did mm-hmm. they die? Well, one did of them die? for sure was dead when they showed his face. He was dead. Mm-hmm. And the other one, I think, was two. And at the end, SG three goes back through with SG one, and it's just Lieutenant Johnson and Colonel Makepeace. R.I.P. SG three. Yeah, so that I think that puts our SG three death count at two. Let's just keep track <laughs> because there will be more. <laughs> Do I need to write that uh, down? I'll be, I'll be more than happy to keep death counts keep somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I like that scene a lot. Um, also, I don't think they ever say that it's. I mean, I know it's through, like, the touched, but, like, they're very good about how, like, Sam had, like, a scratch on her neck or, like, she, like, makes a gesture towards her neck and then 
she scratches Jack and Jack has like the things. And so he becomes like, it's all very um, continuity wise. They did a good job. Yes. Except I picked up on that as well. Yeah. Except we don't really know how Hammond got it. Yes, I was. Oh. I, I kept. I kept. Sta- I, I kept like watching well, him very, very closely. I was like, "Are you gonna scratch? No, no. Where's your scratch at, Hammond? What are you doing?" <laughs> uh, all right. So I pulled the whole locker room scene. Of course you did. Yeah, I mean for science. <laughs> I mean, I don't have the visuals, but I did pull the whole locker room scene. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I'll play it. Here goes. Carter. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were in here. Oh. Hey. What the hell is going on? I want you. Why? I didn't know. Carter, this is a lot of lying. Don't you think? You want me? No. No. Oh, not like this. Why not like... Carter, what's gotten into you? You saw a doctor. Doctor. <laughs> so, real quick before Jess jumps on this whole thing. But um, I'm not jumping anywhere. <laughs> the Hulu version of that episode cut out the like the last part of his doctor line. Uh-huh. So it just so it just says it's time that you saw a doctor and then it, it like the scene like ends. And I was waiting for the other part, and it didn't happen. It made me really, really sad. It made me really sad. <laughs> we got it there. There it is. Yes. Time you saw a doctor. Doctor. <laughs> there's, Come on, Jess. There's Come kind on. of there's kind of a lot to unpack there. There's like okay. quite a bit to unpack. My first, my first, is that he says, "Sorry, I didn't know you were in here." Mm-hmm. So here's my thing. That means joint locker rooms for men and women. Uh-huh. Opens up a lot of fan fiction possibilities is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, and then basically, like, my only takeaway on this particular scene from a ship perspective, which I sail hard, is uh, the not like this line. It's like, mm-hmm, how should you do it then? <laughs> Tell me more. Um Yes, I love that scene a lot. I know it's like, listen, if you want to be like serious about it, it's terrible. Like you're basically, that's a woman sexually assaulting a man. That's what sexual assault is. And if it was the other way around, if that was Jack coming after Sam, it would have like a a lot more, a different impact. But because it's a woman, it's like, like even Daniel later goes, oh, you, you poor, poor poor man. man. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Um, (laughs) Oh, come on. Like you didn't think it. (laughs) (laughs) no no but uh well and then jack immediately was like no it's not like like, it wasn't like that at all she was like a wild animal yeah Mm -hmm. so all that to say as much as i enjoy it from like a ship perspective because like that's my two faves making out in some way or another if you think about it like seriously and legitimately it's actually pretty terrible yeah no from as like realistically it's it's terrible it and i mean and it is, I mean, Jack does get sexually assaulted, but it, Sam did not sexually assault Jack. Uh, and, I mean, because when he talks about it, he's like, it's like she was, like, an animal. So it's like Sam didn't sexually yeah. assault Jack any more than, like, well, well any more than yeah. you could accuse, a, like, a wild animal of sexual assault. Like, 
So if a chihuahua humps your leg, we're in a clear. <laughs> you wouldn't call it sexual assault. It's not like no. okay. You don't you don't yeah. encourage yeah. it and you would stop the behavior, but like Which would, Jack does. Yeah, and he does. He stops the behavior and he doesn't talk about it like, oh yeah, this super sexy thing happened to me. Like he's yeah. acknowledging that no, that wasn't her and being. like is concerned for her, like mm-hmm. is listening to Janet uh, which we get Janet in a second. Mm-hmm. Janet talk about her condition and stuff, and he's like, you know, legitimately concerned for Sam. And he, like I said, he stops it. He could, he could have just as easily gone along with it, despite knowing that something was wrong. But he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he'd have to be, he'd have to be a super idiot asshole, right? Like, because it's in well the to locker make out with it. He's her, yeah, commanding officer, like. He get he doesn't get that much credit for stuff. No, no, like, this no. Is base level of functional humanity. Yes, and I kind of love the like imperfection of that scene too. Like when Sam like throws him down onto the bench and like her dog tags hit him in the face. Like there's a kind of like not violence to it, but it's like clearly like this is not like some romanticized. Because like if it was like meant to be like romanticized, I feel like from a directional standpoint or director standpoint, you would take the tags off. So it didn't hit RDA in the face. So like you could see the moment more clearly, but it's like another example of just like, this is like an out of control semi-violent situation, not in like a dangerous way, but just in a, like, this isn't romantic kind of way. Yeah. No, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that the way the scene is directed sort of plays that. I also do think it's funny that, though, it just seems like Jack is very caught off guard and harried throughout the whole scene. Because when when she's like, because I think she says first, I want you, before she says, do you want me, right? And then he says, and he's like, why? (laughs) He's like, no, no, no. no. I mean, no. No, not like this. Well, and because, like, (laughs) he's just so (laughs) flustered. Because... It, it's incredibly out of character. Granted, we know they don't; they haven't known each other that long, but she's a very by the book, and I'm sure he's read her file, and he knows enough about her to be like, yeah, Samantha Cutter is not the kind of person who like jumps her commanding officer's bones in the locker room in full view of everyone that they work with. Like, he, it's he's very f- appropriately frazzled by the situation. Or maybe he's thinking, I'm just that hot and handsome that she can't help herself. And finally, this is too much temptation to avoid. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't think that. He he doesn't think that. (laughs) He doesn't think that at all. No. Yeah. So then we get Jack's scene with Janet. And I did pull this clip because it makes me laugh. And I love Janet. Yay, Janet. All right. So so here's Janet talking a little bit about what's happening. (laughs) Most female low-level primates tend to choose their sexual partners according to who would give them the strongest offspring. The leaders of a pack or a tribe are usually the prime choice. You should be flattered. Oh, yeah. I'm honored. (laughs) There's part of me that wonders if Sam and Janet knew each other. If Sam and Janet knew each other at all before this, like if they'd met yet. We don't know how long Mm -hmm. Janet's been working on the base if her very first exposure to Sam, like one of the only other female officers on the base, was her being like sex crazed monster thing, because <laughs> that'd be kind of unfortunate. Like, yeah, this is the, like the only other 
a commissioned officer on the base. Yeah. What if that was Janet's first day on the base? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? She like, handles it so well. Yeah. She does. She does. She, she does. does. Hands like a pro. I definitely, I definitely think it's her first day just because of the way she interacts later with um, Mr. Jack Teal. and and Mr. Mr. Teal. I love that so much. Um, it's the best thing Janet's ever done. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I wish we definitely got more backstory for Janet and Sam, but alas. The show doesn't do personal drama. It does. Well, it's not even drama. Even just like throwaway scenes. Backstory. That, because th- th- we do get enough that we know that they're close friends and that they spend time together off base. And but we just so it's so rare to get those little those little glimpses. And I would have liked more. So Janet is working the problem. She has no idea what's going on, but she's working the problem. And then Jack goes to the control room. I don't know why they're in the control room, but he's in the control room with Daniel and da- and he has like the scratches and Daniel asks him what happened. And that's when we get the line the from Daniel. So I pulled that whole because you had asked for you wanted the end part of it. The because he calls her Samantha. I love that. Okay. So <laughs> I'll play the clip and then we can Shut up. decide if we want the whole thing and the final thing. But this is, I just pulled pretty much the whole conversation with Daniel. Would she start a fight with you like Johnson did with Tilg? No, she, uh, she tried to seduce me. Oh. You poor man. No, it wasn't like that. She was like a wild animal. She was nuts. Well, is she all right? Well, I should go see her. Why? What do you mean, why? Because I care about her. Care about her? What does that mean? It means I care about her. She's my friend. <laughs> no, like... No, she's not yours to care about. What the hell are you talking, talking about? about, Samantha? You just stay away from her, okay? Okay, okay, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so for so for you guys who can't see at home, Jess currently has her face covered <laughs> with both of her hands. I want that so much. <laughs> Listen, okay. Here's the thing. Here is the thing. The women have to mate with or are compelled to mate with their strong leader. Who is to say it has to be reciprocated? Jack could want any other lady, but no, she he focuses on Sam. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, I also I'm gonna move on from that part that Jess was talking about and move on to I mean, Daniel. I don't know. <laughs> move on to Daniel. Why would you move on? When we can talk about Sam and Jack for the next hour and a half. We can, we can come back. We can circle back around. It's fine. Just, we'll, just... we'll talk about Sam and Jack when it's less rapey. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. Okay. When Daniel, like, I just can't stop myself from rolling my eyes when Daniel goes, oh, you poor man. Like, I just, yeah. come on, man. Like, I get it. It's the 90s. Like, Sam's a pretty, a pretty, a pretty lady, but like... Pretty Come on, <laughs> well, but all he tells Jack is, or all Jack says is, she tried to seduce me. He doesn't, and and then after, once Jack corrects him and is like, no, 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 it wasn't like sexual or romantic at all. She was like a wild animal attacking me. Daniel immediately goes to concern for Sam. So like, yeah, kind of a douchey thing to say, but I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt on that one because 
But the only context he has is that Sam tried to seduce him, and he doesn't know exactly what that looked like. And then once Jack explains it, he's he's like, oh, crap, I'm going to go check on her. But he saw the people on the planet, so, I mean, you just put two and two together, and you can kind of get an idea. And, I mean, I guess he does immediately go, oh, is she okay? Which is fine, but... Sam's a pretty lady. (laughs) (laughs) But they've they've been on multiple missions together, so you would think that Daniel would know a little bit more about Sam, and that Sam wouldn't just be like, oh, I'm going to seduce you. Like, it's going to be like, it has to be in a completely different context. Maybe, or maybe he's been paying attention like we have, and he's like, you mother effers have been flirting a lot. This seems inevitable. Uh, he saw the uh, thigh slap. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> My bad. Also, you guys, Jack legit beats the shit out of Daniel in this scene. It's like, great. He punches. Him He's in the hot face. for Sam. Okay. <laughs> it's like so he has to beat the shit out of Daniel. Okay. He's like. It's so cathartic. So he's throwing punches so hard, and then as he's getting dragged off of him, he throws a kick at Daniel. <laughs> it's because, and more importantly, go ahead. It's because Chelsea later on in the season he knows he's not going to get a chance to hit him ever again, so he <laughs> has to do it now because Daniel does stupid shit later. It's preemptive. It's preemptive. More importantly, when Jack gets dragged away, what you see is um, Richard Dean Anderson's shirt right up, and you get a nice glimpse of the whole midsection. Just you know more that happens. You know that happens twice, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, All right, friend. Look who you're talking to. Of course, I know. <laughs> and Chelsea, Look you know you, you you know you have to cut this right because we can't be those people who are like. Hey, this dude's really, really hot. We're going to sound like the ants from The Simpsons. <laughs> yes! That's us! I promise I'm going to kidnap Richard Dean Anderson, even. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do not, be, do not be Patty and Selma, okay? I need you to settle down. I can't make that promise, is all I'm saying. I'm just kidding. Please don't sue me. I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm not creepy. So when Jess gets arrested, when we <laughs> man- <laughs> when we manage to go find him at a con somewhere, I won't be out. I'll, I'll be- like orgasm on the spot if and when Amazon's <laughs> That you can cut. That's just for us. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, boundary. No shit. <laughs> Listen to this podcast. <laughs> Listen, I said it and I mostly meant it. So I'm, I'm standing by it. Hey, We're Chelsea, though, that's not the first time Jess has said that. She said that to me, yeah, she said that to me multiple times in text messages before. So. I mean it. I know you mean it. I, I want to be there to witness it. So we're all going to have to coordinate. <laughs> It's a very public display of affection is on the <laughs> Oh my god. It's a fun thing to call it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um where were we? <laughs> yeah, okay. So Jack beats the shit out of Daniel and he doesn't and he doesn't 
Daniel, Daniel doesn't have a mark on his face afterwards. Like, he Sam has aggressively... He blood. He has the blood. Not for the rest of the episode, though. Like, Sam aggressively kisses Jack, and he has scratches all over him. <laughs> but da- Jack beats the shit out of Daniel, and he does not have a bruise to show for it later on. Um, That's right, because Jack has, like, bruises on his, like, face. And a cut. From and the, a cut. From the touched. Well, I'm just saying, he has bruises on his face, he has the cut, he has the scratches, mm-hmm. and Daniel somehow... Unscathed. He's a gold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so then uh, Janet briefs the general on what's going on, and they come to terms with the fact that they may have brought an alien plague to the planet. I still find it absolutely baffling <laughs> that they don't have any kind of, like consideration for this situation like is there no one on the board of like advisors that's like hey guys um if we're going to be traversing to other planets and bringing stuff back should we have a medical protocol a quarantine something like that (laughs) yeah no no okay cool well not yet so janet there is a throwaway line when janet is telling jack about what's going on where she takes him to the isolation rooms where she says that we converted these into isolation rooms in preparation basically for what we might bring back and it's like so they did think about it but still haven't been even instituting medical checks yet yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't do that until, like, way later, either. Uh-huh. Like, they, like, even after this has already happened, like, nothing ever comes of it. They're just like, oh, that's cool. We almost just brought this whole plague back to Earth and, like, turned everyone into, you know, Neanderthals. But, you know, it's cool. We're good. Everybody's fine. <laughs> we, we fixed it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so Hammond and Janet are... are appropriately upset about you know the situation and then we get we get this brilliant piece of acting when they go to check on jack (laughs) (laughs) okay hold on hold on i would like to bring up that uh, in the in the illustrated companion, Jonathan Glasner says that they're really thrilled with Richard Dean Anderson. They didn't know what he was capable of apart from the straight man stuff he does so well. But here he has to basically play a caveman. Richard t- did such a fantastic job, it made us start writing more things for him to do that were fun. And stretched him beyond what he's known for. I haven't asked him about it, but I think he appreciated that. So, I thought that was pretty cool. And I do think he does, like, a fucking fantastic job. Like, not in this particular scene. Um, <laughs> although I give him kudos for going, like, balls to the wall all out. Full but, pterodactyl. Like, in the subsequent... He went full pterodactyl. Full pterodactyl. <laughs> or, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go YouTube it. But the leopard from Tarzan, yeah. it's exactly what he sounds like. It does sound a lot um, like it. I should have I pulled that. But in his later scenes with... When he's like full caveman and is like telling Janet to experiment on him, like the acting is so fucking good. Yeah. Mine, this particular scream is is not not great. Yeah, no, it's it, he does a good job with it. I honestly though the all of the caveman stuff still makes me cringe. I think his scenes don't as much, and there's other stuff we'll get to later. But for the most part, like and the makeup and stuff just makes me. 
And I'm really Sam's unibrow. I know. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I was I was gonna bring it up. We have like, to talk it about constantly it. Constantly gets bigger throughout the episode. Well, it's so great, thing, you guys. We have to talk about it. I 100. I didn't take any notes on it. I am not going to nitpick any of the medicine in this episode. I would like to know how the hair gets there so fast and why it goes away when they cure it because that doesn't really make sense to <laughs> me. Because like I kind of assumed it was because they. They talked about how it was like the virus releases a particular hormone mm-hmm. that stimulates uh, follicle growth, follicle growth, which mm-hmm. is also that's hair, and right. then also testosterone. I mean, both Poly- of those things contribute to hair growth, right? But in like hair? in like hours. Well, if it's like a, I mean, you have to suspend some disbelief. It's like a magical, not magical, but like. It's a alien parasite, so right. I'll I'll give it right. So I did. I, of disbelief. I'll give it that. I accepted that. But then, why does the hair fall out when they get cured? Like, because I can even get like if the if the increased brow ridge and stuff and the weird mouth is is a function of like swelling or fluids or whatever. Okay, I'll I'll give you that. But if the hair grew there. Getting rid of they the shaved. thing that made the hair. Sam shaved it <laughs> we immediately. Watched... No, but Daniel was like in the isolation circle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, I can't, like... I, can't, I can't speak it was like, And Jack well, was in his isolation room and he like opens the thing and and is just like the Well, Janet like... left him some clippers. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, like, he, that's it. That was my, he that was trimmed up him inside. That's fair. But, you know, I think. I mean, for all we know, there could have been a couple of hours. We, the time lapse between injection and, I mean, maybe it was a couple yeah, of hours so the hair, and the, the hair, hair growth. The hair growth, I'll, 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 I'll give them, but the, it, it magically disappearing when they got cured. I think they could have <laughs> even had fun with it, though. Like, kind of had Jack be like, oh, gosh, give me a razor. Like, it, it could have <laughs> been funny. <laughs> um, Next scene. Oh, uh, Hammond on the phone uh-huh. with the president. And uh, he promises the president that if things can't be controlled, he's going to burn the fucking bodies. Can we talk about that? Well, I mean, to kill the plagues from, like... Sure, sure. That sounds a little hardcore. I mean, remember when <laughs> well, they were ready I to mean... blow up the mountain every t- two hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to be shot on site and then they have to be burned because they don't want the infection to spread. That's they don't know how they because because they haven't figured out how it's spreading yet. So they think they could be it could be airborne. It could be uh, um, other things. <laughs> they could have set the bloodborne. Why didn't they set the auto destruct at this point? They were so trigger happy. They could have been like, "All right, guys," <laughs> because we, we because we've dropped that plot point. <laughs> so great. <laughs> that plot point is gone. Uh, yeah, so the so we we basically impress upon us how serious the situation is, which it is. Like they cannot let this alien virus get out into the world at large. That would be devastating. Except that I think the cure the the cure is essentially like allergy medicine. Oh yeah, Benadryl, guys. And like <laughs> I literally take a Zyrtec every day. You would be immune because like so you'd be I'd safe. be great. I'd be safe, but like I think a lot of people take allergy medicine yeah we'd be fine yeah. i do not well you're fucked well but yeah so then we've established that teal and daniel seem to be immune but i love that they don't really establish the why for daniel like we know for teal we know why teal is 
And and Janet basically says like, well, you you seem to be immune. And Teal'c is like, well, you could get sick still, and yet they still send him to the planet. Like, <laughs> too bad. And he doesn't want. He's like, you're gonna send just the two of us. He's not. He doesn't really want to go. And Mm-mm. then they send decide to send Daniel and Teal'c to go get a blood sample. And Which I find hilarious. That pairing is so funny to me. I I love Daniel and Teal'c, and I also love that. The general Hammond is like, either you know how to draw blood, well, teach them. And as someone who did phlebotomy and drew blood, yeah, you can teach it actually pretty quick. <laughs> Tilk has yeah, a steady but hand. Tilk does not. Oh, does he does not do it correctly. He, uh, <laughs> he he does it. They don't show it. The, the what they show is okay. Like, yeah, he doesn't well, sterilize put, the site with. Well, he puts the vial the onto the. Yeah. Uh, before so you're supposed to do needle and then tube so yeah so the the way that those things work is that there's a two-sided needle that they put in you that has like the little plastic thing around it so they put that in and you get in into the vein and then those tubes that that they draw your blood in are vacuum sealed so when you put it on it creates a pressure differential and the and it basically sucks the blood out of your vein into the tube and so it's very important that you don't put the tube onto the other end of the needle. So it's a double-sided first. needle. First. Yeah. He, he didn't have great technique, but he had only learned like an hour ago. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to go backwards for a second from when, before Tilk got the blood to when they first got back on the, when they first got back on the planet. Right. And they find that lady. Melosha. That mm-hmm. one. They find her and they find her like abandoned because she's turned into the touch and daniel's like well we have to save her like you know we have to protect her and save her or whatever and Tilk's like no dude we gotta go and daniel's like no we gotta save her and Tilk's like no dude let's let's get moving we gotta we gotta go draw some blood from these people and daniel doesn't listen to Tilk. and then daniel gets taken by the touch because he doesn't listen to people <sighs> yep yep no that's, that's they're not wrong and then, that and then and then, and then I put, good job, Daniel, because you're an idiot. Because you don't listen to people when they tell you what you're supposed to be doing. Nope. He was just trying to save that woman. He, he was fine with her getting raped the first know, three minutes felt, of the he show. Felt, he felt badly about being okay with her rape. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make up for it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Is that what it was? So, no, though. Uh, before, before that even happens, I actually really liked this bit of character continuity. This is the first time I'm pretty sure that we see Daniel carrying a rifle when they get to the planet. And the way that he carries the rifle is so hilarious. He's like, just almost basically dragging it behind him. He has it like loosely held in one hand at his side. Like he so clearly is not comfortable carrying a rifle. And I... I actually kind of liked that, that they were ba- like, yeah, no, Daniel is not a soldier, and he does not do weapons. Uh, okay, yep. For now. For now. We'll, we'll say for now, because he seems pretty okay with a 9mm later on. And... Yeah, which is, like, he learned. They don't show it, but he learned. <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daniel gets kidnapped because he's being an idiot. Like, I'll give you guys that one. He's, he's just being an idiot. Uh, That's what he does all the time, Chelsea. You just refuse to see it. I don't refuse to see it. I see it like 70% of the time. (laughs) Or we go back to the SGC. And Jack asks Janet to experiment on him. 
It's a histaminolytic, which means it breaks down histamine. Experiment. Experiment on you? No, sir, I can't do that. I just love that Jack is still willing to sacrifice himself and his health for the betterment of his team and the SGC. Like, he's willing to put his body on the line. Like, if you need someone to experiment on, use me. That's fine. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I'm fine. It's all fine. (sighs) Yeah. I I love him. This is a very consistent thing about Jack throughout the series. He's like super self-sacrificing, borderline suicidal. I don't think it's suicidal as we get further along in the series. I do think he is self-sacrificing. I do think that he feels that he's not as important as everybody else. He's expendable. Um, mm-hmm. And so, therefore, he'll put himself on the line rather than, say, Sam or Daniel or Teal'c. Um, yeah. Yep. Because he's just a soldier, whereas everybody else is Sam's an astrophysicist, Daniel's an anthropologist, and Teal'c's a badass. Well, he's also their intel like he has a lot of important information right which isn't to validate that jack is right that he's less valuable uh i would say that he is arguably more replaceable but not yeah he is no you're right i will say on this scene i totally forgot that hammond got infected in this episode and when he got pulled in i was like oh yeah (laughs) which makes me think so like who's in charge janet She's a captain. Right, but like, but she's a captain. And but like, who, what's the protocol if like Hammond becomes incapacitated? Because I'm pretty sure Jack is his second. Is Jack's his is second? Jack is his second? Who's also incapacitated? Make peace would so, be ranking high ranking, but he's also incapacitated. So I mean, I would say that most of the higher ranking officials are incapacitated, and the way that Janet seems to be running things, it seems like she's in charge. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, she seems like she as bad as I was saying that it was like, sure, but it was just like in the like chain of command, it just never addressed. Yeah, and like no one seems to be concerned that our like leader is incapacitated. <laughs> They're just like, all right, we'll tuck you Shove in bed and. No, that's sorry, Colonel. We have to put the general in here with you because you ran out of yeah. room. <laughs> I thought I just thought it was hilarious. I just completely forgot that Hammond got sick, and then when he like got dragged in, I was like, "Hey, you're right." And they they make a point of dragging him in, and then they make a point of like showing him like back in the control room, all buttoned up. But then it's like, yeah, fixing his didn't at all. I'd be like, yeah, the freaking general got sick, and we didn't talk at all about mm-hmm. what it. Is. So maybe that's something that just got left on the cutting room floor, or maybe it just Possibly. got cut out of the script. It, it definitely does have that feel of like they probably maybe had another scene somewhere addressing that and it got cut. Yeah. Maybe they could have cut the wormhole scenes and kept that scene. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's true. Y'all brought up the Janet and Jack scene, which I remember when I watched this the first time and I was real taken aback by how shippy that scene could have been interpreted. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was, oh no, it's totally shippy. And I was like, and I was like, I was like, this no, this can't be no. And like, I immediately went to the internet to see if it was a thing, <laughs> and it wasn't a thing. I mean, there are people out there who do ship it, but yeah. it wasn't widely accepted. So, my theory on this is that. Um, so apparently Terrell Rothery was like super, super hype 
to work with RDA and they just have really good chemistry on set. And I kind of just felt that was like a natural, just like the actors had good chemistry. I don't think it was necessarily scripted, but man, when he touches her face and she grabs it and like kind of closes her eyes, I'm like, I don't want to say she nuzzles into his touch, but there was some nuzzle action as well. But it's also like, it was a, such a good contrast because it's right after Jack asked her to experiment on him. And then when he kind of gets a little bit of, because um, he gets like extra sedative and he asks her if it's a dream. And there's something so like heartbreaking and scary about him asking that. Cause that's gotta be fucking terrifying. And she's like, I'm so sorry, but this is very much real. And it's just like this really terrible thing. It's almost like he's grounding himself in some way to like, to a different reality. So, but yes, to your point, back to the original point. Uh, yeah, super shippy. Yeah, I could definitely see it for sure. But then they like never have any other kind of interaction like that ever again. So it's fine. No, I mean, but, they have yeah. a pretty playful, playful dynamic. Uh, yeah, I say, oh, but I just mean, bro. he never does any like face caressing. No, no, that he doesn't I, do that with anybody else on yeah. screen. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, Jess. Yes. <laughs> yes. So then it goes back to the planet and Teal'c is trying to get a blood sample and the untouched are being uncooperative. And I just wrote in my notes, Teal'c, destroyer of beefcakes. <laughs> because it was <laughs> Like, I... I like to think that the people in the casting department for Stargate just, like, go chill at, like, muscle man competitions because <laughs> the background characters that are always, like, the most gigantic, like, ripped muscle men ever, all the Jaffa and, like, guards in the background are, I mean, those dudes were freaking huge. And he beat them down uh, like it was no problem. <laughs> you know? Well, because Tilt's a superhero. He's a destroyer. Of he things. is a superhero. <laughs> I also like that in like the scene, I think either right after that, when you see Daniel, because he's all touched and whatever, and getting the shit beaten out of him. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoy that. Like even in this dynamic, he's clearly not like the superior being here. <laughs> he's just getting the crap beaten out of him. See, I my read on that scene was that he was he hadn't succumbed to the t- touch yet, but his antihistamine hadn't worn off, and he was trying to escape. No. Because he was, no, like, he's crawling all... away. No, no, no. Well, no. He, his brow wasn't... It was hard to tell because it was dark. But he, like, tried to crawl away. He was trying to crawl away from the fire, and then they beat him up and pulled him back. Either way, Dylan gets beaten up, and it brought me an inordinate amount of joy as revenge for his earlier comments in the episode. <laughs> yeah. No, he does. He gets beaten up a lot in this episode. But, yeah, so Teal comes back with the blood sample, and he and Jack have a little moment. That's sweet. Lucy, I'm home. <laughs> I mean, that's after he's been cured. But they have a little moment before she brings the cure in. I don't remember exactly what they said. He tells him... He tells him he lost Daniel. And he yeah. apologizes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And then he tucks him in, which is very, very cute. It's so cute. Yes. I love her, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So then Janet comes in with the with the cure says that she figured it out and antihistamines are the cure for the virus and she says that it could be dangerous though to give this high of a dose and of course jack is like give it to me but it it did kind of make me laugh because she's like i thought you would say that and and then is like but it could kill you are you sure and he's like yeah and i'm going yeah that's not informed consent (laughs) 
<laughs> no. No. <laughs> but you know, the you know what? The world's at stake. We'll give we'll give Janet this. He he has asked twice for her to experiment on him, so we she knows he's serious. It's another great moment between Janet and Jack. And like, cause the way that she offers it to him and the way that she kind of smiles when she's like, I kind of, I thought you'd say that. And it, it's a great, it's a great moment. I just realized we blew past, uh, Sam getting stabbed by her roommate. Oh, right. BT dubs. It'll come up in a second, <laughs> but, um, Sam's back in the infirmary and she got stabbed. So <laughs> it's been a rough few episodes for Sam, uh, knocked out against the wall and then um, almost, you know, sexually assaulted and had to do hand-to-hand combat. And then loss of agency and stabbed. It's been rough. Yep. Hey, but the next episode's not much better for her either. So... Oh, gosh. We're just going... So we're just she doesn't going. get hurt, at least. She gets emotionally abused. <laughs> I mean, not in the episode. <laughs> kind of. Okay, that's next week. That's next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can deal with that next week. It's a rough. It's a rough run for it's Sam. A, it's a rough run and for Sam for a not while. Even in this this episode, this much and that that much, and mm-hmm. I miss it. I miss. It's her. like, why did you stab her? Like, what? Why? Why did you do that? Because <laughs> because if her roommate was a female, which I assume it was, because if it wasn't, they would probably have sex. So I assume it's a female, and maybe she was trying to show dominance by stabbing Sam in the room. Oh no! I mean, I understand. Why she was stabbed. I mean, from a writing perspective. Oh, my bad. Why stab Sam? No, no. I yeah. I I just mean like it. It makes no. You could just. It really feels like like a setup for the joke at the end. Like that's all. That's probably why. That's probably why it was that. Or just hey, don't forget that Sam is still in this episode. Okay, thanks. Like there she is in the background (laughs) with her little brow going on. (laughs) I love that Teal'c is sitting outside of Jack's room. Like, like a little vigil. Yeah, he's just waiting outside Jack's room, and Jack comes to his senses, and yes, of course, we get typical Jack irreverence about it. Lucy, I'm home. <laughs> I am not Lucy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that whole exchange is so great. They're like Al- Abbott and Costello. And honestly, you guys, Christopher Judge sells those things, because it's like... The teal bread and butter throughout the whole series, and t- and Christopher yes. Judge sells it so well every single time. Uh, it's a great, it's a great back and forth. And then the gang's all back together, and they got to go rescue Daniel. But why? Well, apparently there's like a legit question <laughs> if she's if he's even alive. Because Sam's like, do you think he's alive? And Jack kind of has this like pensive like, I sure do hope so. Like, <laughs> yep. There so was... there's some there's some concern. Also, my I have a question of they pretty quickly cured everybody on the base and put together these tranquilizer darts with the drug in them. And mm. it just made me laugh. Like, did they send a handful of poor airmen out to, like, raid every single pharmacy in Colorado to be like, you guys, <laughs> we need your chlorpheniramine. Like, we need it all. We're taking it. Because the dose that she gave him was like a big old syringe and... Yeah, they can't have just had that lying around the base. So I like to picture mm-hmm. there's like a, a group of airmen that got sent out to frantically go to every single pharmacy. But how many or pharmacies they had... did they have to go to? Because, you know, now, especially they... now, you can only buy one box at a time. 
Yeah. Or, guys, they probably just contacted the pharma company directly and got it shipped to them because they're the fucking military. <laughs> yes, yeah, so why are you coming and they here probably, with facts? <laughs> I'm just saying, as again, someone who works with pharmaceutical companies on the daily, that's probably what happened. Stop and bringing in your facts. I'm just here to tell you that there's a lot on the uh, West Coast that would be very easily to ship in direct. Anyways, yeah, but that Colorado's fast. pretty far from the West Coast. Sure. That fast, you could drive well, a truck. We don't know how much time elapsed. Does it have to be a truck? They have these things called airplanes. <laughs> oh, really? It's an I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> what are these airplanes that you speak of? Aeroplanes? Is that what we're talking? Aeroplanes. Yes. Aeroplanes. Okay. A e r o. But yeah, no. I mean, the there's some continuity in terms of like time, like you said, between the hair growth and the like sudden development of these mass doses. And the development of these trank darts. Like, there's obviously some time delay. Well, no, but I, well, I'll at least give them credit that they aren't having to synthesize a new drug. It is an existing drug yeah. that they need to use. So at least there's that. Because there's that, that problem comes up later with, like, synthesizing things being super easy, apparently. But this one, it's like, at least it's a pre-existing drug that they just have to track down a lot of. Yeah. So then we have another long wormhole scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to go rescue Daniel. Mm-hmm. Sam, this is, I hate this scene. Sam, they get to Daniel, who's camped out at this, like, uh, fire pit. And I like Jack's, like, girl at every port line. <laughs> but fucking Sam shows up with a sir- hand syringe and is, like, dodging around like she's going to try and figure out the best way to, like, stab him with this syringe. And then Jack and half of the SG teams are behind her with fucking Trank Dark guns. And it's like, Sam, what are you doing? Why are you trying to manually inject? I don't understand. I I think, and honestly, it doesn't make sense. I think she was trying to spare him the indignity of getting tranked. She just wanted to give him the drug and and let him be cured. But it does, it's ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> And it created this, like, faux drama because it's like, ooh, is Daniel going to get Sam? And then he, like, lunges for her and, like, Jack, you know, two shots in and we're fine. And it's, like, the music swelling behind the scene. And it's like, what the fuck is this? No, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I don't understand yeah. why they did that. I don't get it. But whatever. So we've got a cure for Daniel. And then they have to go and convince Crop Top Dude, whose name I can't remember. Tuplo. Tuplo, who was rocking a badass crop top <laughs> and poofy hat. It's, it's you guys it's like, skirt. It's like <laughs> built to show off cleavage too. That's what I loved yeah. the most about his yeah. top. It's like, it's like midriff. <laughs> Look, Tuplo, if you got it, flying. Uh <laughs> But they basically have to go convince him and his uh lady friend wife that uh they can save everybody. Yep. And they these they keep being baffled like they cannot grasp that they're not gods. Like, but you're curing the curse. You must be gods. Yeah. I have to say the I'm very glad they they meaning the SG one writers kind of abandoned this like every planet they go to is like primitive and thinks that they're gods fairly quickly. Because it gets so old, like I mean, it just gets really old. And to think that like every culture doesn't evolve beyond that. Yeah, it's it gets old. Yeah, no, but I do. I I found it kind of amusing at the end, though, especially because like 
they kind of have a point, you know, the good gods are supposed to be able to cure them of the thing. And then these people show up through the gate and they cure the curse. And so, yeah, I, I understand their confusion. I do think it's interesting that this is one of the few cultures that we really actually kind of revisit with any amount of regularity. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the first ones that we met, but we, we come back to them. And I love that this served us well. Like, we went back, they, the SGC went, they sent people back to help them. They taught them basically how to cure these people on their own. And because of that, they end up with these allies that they, now granted, it's not like they're super strong military allies, but they do use them as like refugee camps later on when they have refugees. And I think it's kind of cool that we get that little bit of continuity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also one of the better resolutions we get in terms of, Usually SG-1 showing up on a planet means that terrible things happen to the people on that planet. Uh, But in this one, it's like nothing terrible happens to the people on this planet. They help them. Mm -mm. It's like, yep, pretty much an all positive outcome. Yeah. It's it's nice. I actually, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I really enjoy this episode, but I'll just save that for our rating recap. All that's left is the sweet little tank top. Yeah, I was going to say, let's get there. All right, so we get the team heading back to the Stargate is how the episode ends. And Sam, I think, understandably, would like to address her concerns with her commanding officer. The elephant in the room. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, that's totally fair because... Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We we can unpack it afterwards. Here we go. Uh, Sir? Yeah? About my earlier behavior... I wasn't myself. Oh, Carter, I don't even remember your earlier behavior. You don't? Oh, I was infected too, remember? Right. Good, I'm I'm glad. By the way, how's the wound? Wound? I understand you got stabbed in the stomach or something. Oh, yeah, it's nothing. With any left, there won't even be a scar. Oh, good. I was concerned. You were? Sure. If it doesn't heal properly, you'll never wear that sweet little tank top number again. Okay, first off, can we talk about her smile when when he was kind of like... Yes! (laughs) When when he was like, good, I was worried. And she goes, really? (laughs) You were? (laughs) I love that Listen, that scene is, like, one of my absolute favorites. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's a great scene, but I, I've i always been a little curious about it because it starts, like, it's, like, starts out so sweet. Like, he's letting her off the hook and, and that he can't resist, like, just giving her a little bit of a hard time for it. Like, yeah. I guess that's very in character for him, but. Yes. Go ahead, Mel. I do think, though, that it was kind of maybe, now maybe I'm reading a little too much into it, but I do think maybe that was him kind of telling her that, you know, we're good, everything's good, and I also don't think he's one to go around the base and be like, hey, look, this happened, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I think it was more of him giving her, it, it was in character for Jack because he was 
he was, like you said, letting her off the hook, but then also teasing her, letting her know that we're everything's good. Like, we're on equal level footing. Like, everything's kosher. You know what else I love is how he goes, um, oh, Carter, I don't even remember what happened. Remember, I was infected, too. But he okay, wasn't. Except, okay, but he, I mean, he wasn't when Sam, when it happened to Sam. But, like, or, like, when Sam got up all. My point being, Sam has memories of the situation. Uh-huh. And Jack is telling her, oh, I don't even remember. I was infected, too. So, like, she knows he's lying. Because <laughs> if she has memories of it while she was infected, he must have memories of it while he was infected. I just, but no, totally to your point, I, I know people don't like this sweet little tank top number line. I totally read it the same way where I feel like it's him. That's part of his, like, he would say the same thing, whether it was Sam or whether it was Teal parading around in a crop top, you know, like he would say the same thing. Now that's a visual you can put in your heads. You're welcome. I I just, I, I love the exchange. It's very much to me, like this thing happened. I'm not making a big deal out of it. You don't got to make a big deal out of it. I'm going to, we're going to joke about it and it's going to be fine. Yeah. No, I I do think that that's what's going on. And I think it's, I think that's confirmed by Sam's response to that. Because then as he walks away, she just kind of like smiles. And I actually, it makes me think that the flirting playfulness between them, the rest of the beginning of the episode was pretty deliberate to kind of establish that that's the dynamic they have. And so when he reverts back to it at the end, that that would be reassuring to her instead of like teasing of making it uncomfortable because we established at the beginning of the episode that that's, that's the dynamic that they've built. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agreed. yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I mean, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's what happens in the episode. Oh, we had to rate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. All right. Let's rate this episode. I'm nominating Mel to go first this week. Okay, so I gave it like four and a half stars. Because it's not great, but it's not bad. And you you get introduced to new to um, Janet, and you kind of get to see Jack again, like I said, for the first time as like the whole Encompass character. But I mean, there were some problematic things. So, I mean, I kind of knocked down a couple of chevrons for that. Um, but then I thought that RDA did a good job in his acting ability to be a caveman. And, yeah. I mean, it's not one that I would go... It's not one of my go-to episodes that I would rewatch over and over again. Um, but it's a nice little episode to watch occasionally. And it was enjoyable. And that's all I got. Cool. Yay, team. Sounds reasonable. Uh, I I would give this one four out of seven chevrons. I like the beginning. So I liked like the first 10 minutes. And then the, I just, the, it kind of drags for me in the middle and I struggle with it. And even though I know, so RDA does a great job, but like the ridiculous makeup and all, it, it honestly, every time that one of the neanderthals is on the screen i like cringe inwardly and at the end when it especially when daniel at the end is and they do these horrible awkward close-ups of his face <laughs> which i tweeted about today bt does 
<laughs> it, it's just, I, it's, it's a hard one for me to watch. So even though I kind of like the story, I love meeting Janet. I, um, I love that we are establishing the team and how things work in the SGC. I, I still just, it's not one that I love to watch and rewatch. I don't love that one, one of the first physical contacts that we get between Jack and Sam is like super questionable, rapey, unpleasant. Yeah. And, and so I, I, yeah, four out of seven chevrons. Largely for the awkward Daniel close-ups, yes. Um, I actually am going to give this one five out of seven. I actually, I mean, for minus all the points we talked about in the last hour and a half, um, I do like this episode a lot. I do think it drags in places. So, but for every place that it drags, I just think about um, Richard Dean Anderson in a backwards baseball cap. And I think about his exposed midriff and it just magically gives it one extra chevron is the thing. So, um, yeah, it's just a good, I love, I love this episode. I, it's such a fanfic trope kind of thing where it's like, Oh, everyone's reduced to their baser instincts and (laughs) like, they got to go find like the mate that they want to mate with. Like, I, I know, I know it's problematic and I know it's terrible, but like the bodice ripping part of me, loves this episode (laughs) so i'm gonna keep it at a five out of seven because i don't watch it as often as i watch other episodes but i do enjoy it okay that's fair who gets our air medal award for this episode janet janet yeah i i think i think janet for sure should get it but i also think there's an argument for tealk I was also going to say tealk if not janet because this is actually one of the first episodes where they Teal'c actually has something to do, where they kind of knew what to do with him, and they u- they took advantage of the what they'd built into his character of like him having a symbiote and he's immune to give him something to do, and and so I thought that was nice because we talked about in the last couple of episodes about how they don't know what to do with Teal'c, and they mm-hmm. found something to do with Teal'c in this episode, and he does it really well, and I appreciated it, but I still think I'm gonna agree with you guys and give it to Janet. With an honorable mention for Teal'c. There's also even a case for Jack. Because he's the one who volunteers. Like without his experiment. And like the confirmation. There's just. There's an argument. However thin. He could also be it. But I agree. It's definitely Janet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, okay. So next week we have. Uh, First Commandment. I really like that which- episode. I Which, really hate this episode. I know. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really excited to dive into it next week. But If you have thoughts and feelings about this episode, you can tweet us at chevronslock7 on Twitter, or you can email us uh, at chevronslock7 at gmail.com. We got our first email uh, this week, which was super exciting. Um, and we all fangirled about it and texted each other like, ah, we got one. And that was really nice. Uh, no, I agree. It was it was really, really nice. Um, Chelsea texted all of us and was like, guys, we got our first email. And then I immediately went and read it. And then Jess was like, what did it say? And then Chelsea and I both immediately sent the, the email to her at the same time. And it was just really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> that, some, that someone likes kind of what we're doing is kind of engaged in what we're doing. It's just real nice to hear from somebody. Yeah. So. And I also went and did find the clip from that thing you do of Steve Zahn saying, 
Hey, wasn't that our fan? <laughs> That's what I think about now. Every time I see someone interacting with us on Twitter or like, it's like the same, like, I don't know, 10 people or whatever on Twitter. And it's like, hey, hey, guys. <laughs> our fan. <laughs> you know what? I'll take 10, 10 fans that, that, that oh, listen yeah. to us each week. Like, I'm down. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yes. I, we would love to, we we would love to hear from you. Uh, whatever you got to say, we we want to hear it, and that's sort of the whole idea. We want to we want to hear what you guys have to say. So yes, please tweet or email us uh, at as the podcast. We will definitely all be participating in that. But if you would like to reach out to us in, individually, you can find me Chelsea at Cahils on Twitter or Pianosa to the Fighting Eighth on Tumblr. And you can find me, Jess, at uh, JessTheMess250 on Twitter, which I still don't think I'm doing correctly, but I think it's all right. And then uh, on Tumblr, at Professor Tenet. And you can find me, Melanie, at Melanie Martian on Twitter. And you can find me on Tumblr at my stupid dumb flyboy. So that's the end of our podcast. Yes, that's very observant of you. Thank you, sir pride myself on my deductive reasoning skills. It's me. I'm the explicit content. Yes, it's just me. Yes, I don't yes, think that cuts at all yet. I don't she think. She talks about dick. She talks about what? <laughs>